Well, it is good to see y'all here. Y'all, this is the last Sunday before Christmas, which absolutely it, it blows my mind. And I know that when I was a kid, I used to hear people that were older than me say, man, the older you get, the more time flies. And I, it never made sense to me, but it's, y'all, in all honesty, it seems like two weeks ago we were just celebrating Christmas. And I told a couple of people before the service started, I said, the way things are going right now, I'm going to be like a granddad in like three weeks. And uh, I'm just kidding, Hank. But, uh, you know, there's just a lot of times you just feel like, man, time is just, it's just flying by. Uh, but today we are continuing our series on the Christmas, the Christmas story of the story of Christmas. And we're going to be talking about placing our attention, our focus upon the wise men today. Uh, I read a story about 1980, back, it's back in 1988, a guy named Jack Canfield went to Thailand to visit some, uh, some temples while he was there, some Buddhist temples. And he said after a while with his wife, they all started sort of running together and had nothing really special about them until they came to one that was the temple of the Golden Buddha. Now, I'm not talking to them. I know it's Christmas. I'm not promised. I'm not focusing on Buddha, but it was just an interesting story. And so he comes to this temple. It's an enormous, a ten and a half foot tall, solid gold Buddha was in there and they got his attention. He's like, I've never seen so much gold in my life. And he said the statue weighed two and a half tons. It was worth over two hundred million dollars. And this is back in 1988 with the way gold is now. No telling how much it's worth now. But he said as he was reading a little plaque next to it. It was uh, it used to be covered with clay. And uh, he was like, well, why, why was it covered with clay? And it was discovered that there was gold underneath the clay just back in 1957. Now, what had happened is several hundred years before, the Burmese army was coming in and they happened to be going through this region. And the monks at this temple got nervous. They would steal this, this golden Buddha. So they covered it all up with clay. And all the monks ended up getting killed in the process, so nobody knew that there was gold underneath that, that golden Buddha until the priest in 1957, they were going to remove it, they're going to move it, they picked it up and it cracked. And whenever it cracked, they thought, well gosh, that's a shiny, subject, uh, uh, a shiny substance underneath the clay. They chipped it away and it was gold, it was solid gold. Now I'm sitting there thinking, man, how in the world can you have something like that, that you don't even know the value of it? And as I thought about that, I began to think, I think the, the very similar thing has happened with Christmas. You know, when it comes to Christmas now, I, we all know that it's a religious holiday. I mean, I think, you know, in society today, we tried to hide that. We're going to call it happy holidays and all this different stuff. Y'all, it's a religious, it's a religious deal. And I think most of us know that. But over time, Christmas has sort of like been covered up with a whole bunch of clay to where after time, we just really don't recognize the value of it. And we, we don't see the meaning of it, and how it really impacts our lives. And so today, my hope is, is that we're going to be able to kind of chisel away some of the clay that surrounds Christmas, you know, like the busyness of it and having to go get gifts and all those different things to where to where you forget about the significance of this very important period of time. Now, what is kind of encouraging is that during the very first Christmas that took place, people were busy just like we are. People were just absolutely running around you know, like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to get everything done to where they missed out on the importance of the birth of Christ. I wrote in our church newsletter a couple of weeks ago that my favorite holiday, I mean, I love Christmas. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. And to me, Thanksgiving, it's like it's like Christmas Without the stress. Now, some of you, I know y'all are cooking turkeys and all that, getting ready for family. But for me, you know, I just, I watch football. 
And like, I cheer Emily on, you know, hey, good job. But at the Christmas or Thanksgiving is so much better to me than Christmas because I'm not worried about getting gifts. I'm not worried about, you know, like 800 people coming over and hoping I'm going to make everybody happy. And so, so uh, Thanksgiving is a great thing. But sometimes Christmas gets lost in the shuffle of all the busyness. And that's how people were on the very first Christmas. But there were a group of men that we're going to look at today. As they celebrated Christmas, they recognized the value of it. And so today our focus is going to be upon the wise men of Christmas. Now, y'all, y'all remember how many wise men there are? Yeah, three but just as I'm trying to be a little smart aleck here, nowhere in the Bible does it say there's three. So that just makes me feel smart. So I just want to let you all know that. We don't know how many wise men there were, but they were wise men. Now, the question is, why were they considered wise? Well, they were wise because these were the, the elites, uh, the elite scholars of their day. They were guys who were well-versed in religion, astronomy, science, All kinds of things. But the reason we're looking at them today is not because they were wise concerning their education. We're looking at them today because they were wise concerning what they were seeking after. And what we discover in our text today is that they were seeking after Jesus. They were seeking after the Christ of Christmas. So if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And in a few moments, we're going to look through verses 1 through 12. So Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. As you're turning there, just a little background information. Uh, the, 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 uh, the Roman emperor during this time was named Augustus. And Augustus wanted everybody in all of his Roman territories, which Israel was a part of at this time, he wanted them to be counted. He wanted to have a census. And so everybody was to return to their tribal home in order to be counted. And this is how Christmas, the Christmas story affects us today, where it becomes important for us. There was a guy named Joseph who we talked about last week, and he was returning back with his, the woman that he was pledged to be married to, Mary, and they were going back to his hometown of Bethlehem in order to be counted. Now, this is why they ended up in Bethlehem. It was because of this census that was taking place. And so as this is going on, uh, while Mary was there, she ends up having a baby. And the baby, of course, is Jesus. And the text we're going to look at, it picks up about two years after the birth of Christ. About two years later, we are told that a group of men known as the Magi or the wise men came to visit Jesus. Now, the question that I want you to be thinking about through the rest of this, the rest of this time that we have here together is, could I be counted among the wise men today? Would I be considered a wise man when it comes to seeking after Jesus? Now, to break it down a little bit more, you know, well, what are some characteristics of a person who's wise? What are the characteristics of the wise men in the text that we're looking at today? And the very first thing that set them apart from everybody else, the very first characteristic that the wise men had was that wise men understand the stars. Wise men understand the stars. Now, kind of hang here with me for just a little bit, and I'll try to explain what this means. If you look back in verse number one, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, This is an interesting section of scripture here because the wise men, they were not from Israel. 
Uh, they were not, you know, they were not guys that just woke up in Bethlehem one day and said, hey, man, where's this Jesus guy going to be? Uh, the wise men were from either the scholars say probably from the region of Saudi Arabia or Iran. And whenever they were out gazing at the stars, well, I guess one night they noticed a different star and it had significance to them. And so they traveled from where they were living hundreds of miles in order to come into Bethlehem. Because a star, a new star, when, when astrologers saw it, they said a significant event is about to happen. They realized when they saw this star that something important was going to take place. Now, to kind of up the ante a little bit, I do think it's interesting historically to discover that during the time that Jesus was born, right in this, right in this period of time, people across the world were expecting that a world savior would be born. Now, I'm not just talking about a group of Christian people. Don't think I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about people in the synagogues. I'm talking about there was a worldwide expectation that somebody special was going to be born during this time. Uh, just from secular historians, we can discover this. That during this time, there's a Roman historian named Suetonius. He was not he was not a Christian, but I just want to I just want to read to you a passage that he wrote about this time. He said there is an ancient and settled persuasion that prevails throughout the East that the fates had decreed someone to proceed from Judea, which is Israel, who should attain universal empire. There was a thought during this time that somebody important is going to be born. And then to top it off, there's this strange star that appears in the sky. And this star in particular got the attention of the Magi. Now, one of the first questions we have to ask is, well, who were the Magi? The Magi were the, the most educated class of men that were living in their part of the world during this time. They would study the skies. They would study medicine. They would study religion. But as they were studying the skies, they noticed about the time of the birth of Jesus that a star appeared and it appeared over in the region, which would be out west, towards Israel. Now, how did they know that star was something significant? Many scholars believe that... y'all remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? Are y'all familiar with him? Daniel's the guy that was thrown in the lion's den. But he was taken into captivity from Israel to go to Babylon. And when he went there, he ended up becoming one of the wise men. And he became the head wise man. And, and so many people believe, scholars believe, that through the years that he taught wise men the scriptures and what it had to say. And one of the scriptures is found in Numbers 24, 17, speaking of a special star. In Numbers 24, 17, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, which is Israel. A scepter will rise out of Israel. It's talking about the coming of a Savior. And it says what will mark the coming of the Savior is a star. Now, all these, all these signs were pointing to, to the Messiah. And there's a lot of other signs that were pointing to the birth of a Savior throughout the Old Testament. Now, now what, did the, what did the Magi do with the information that they received about the birth of Jesus? What did they do with the information they received about the star? They acted on it. You know, they, they saddled up and they said, let's follow the star. Let's find out where it's going to take us. Let's find out who it's going to bring us to. And that star led them to the town of Bethlehem. Now, the question I have for you is, what are you going to do with the information that you have that comes from Scripture about Jesus? 
You know, a lot of us have grown up in the church. We've heard stories for years and years. And yet for so many of us, this book has never made a difference in our lives because we've never acted on what it says. But the great benefit of acting on what God's word says is that when you are like the wise men of Scripture and you act on the word of God, it will bring you face to face with Jesus. Even to this day. The stars speak of our God. Do you know that God has given us creation? He's given us the stars so that we will be pointed to our creator. In Psalm 19, 1 through 3, it says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies Proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. God has given us the stars and he's given us creation so that we'll understand the meaning of it. And realize that there is a creator who wants us to know him. During the Apollo 8 lunar mission, the three astronauts that were there, which were Frank Borman, James Lavelle, and William Anders... They looked out of their, of their, I guess like their porthole, and they were able to see earth from the moon. And when they saw it, they pulled out the Bible and they read Genesis 1, 1 through 10. This is the creation account. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And after those men read that scripture, they looked out and they said, there is no way we can look at our earth and not believe that there is a creator. Now, wise men understand the stars. They understand when that when we guys we understand when we look about us that there is a God who is creator God who has come for us. And that's the first characteristic of wise men. But the second thing that I want you to see, the second characteristic, is wise men also will follow the scriptures. That's what the men in our text did. If we're going to be wise, we're going to pay attention to what scripture says. Now look with me in verse number three of Matthew two. It says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers, uh, the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Now, when the wise men came from the came from the east, they ended up coming into Jerusalem and they talked to King Herod and King Herod asked them the question, say, hey, where's the where's the Messiah going to be born? Yeah, he's very interested in this. And they told him, they said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, how did the wise men know where Jesus was going to be born? Is it because they were psychic? You know, they have some supernatural power. And they said, yeah, he's probably going to be born in that town over there. Now, the reason why they knew he was going to be born in Bethlehem is because they knew what the Bible said. And that's one thing that I think is really neat about Scripture, is Scripture gives us specific instruction. The Bible teaches us how to live in order to honor God. The Bible teaches us specifically how we can live our lives in order to, in order to bring glory and honor to the one who created us. It doesn't just speak in generalities, it becomes very specific. Now, one thing I like is I like specific directions. I like it when somebody can tell me where, you know, where I need to go. And I know with confidence I'm going to arrive there. Now, I have, have any of y'all ever used, you know, we're not on TV or anything. So that's a good thing. Yahoo, Yahoo Maps. Y'all ever use that before? Man, I hate that thing. Every time I, and I'm not lying. Every time I use that thing, I get the wrong directions. We were going to uh, my son's football game up in Lancaster. And I used Yahoo Maps. Man, I, I ended up like in TKK. It was ridiculous. 
And so I hate stuff like that. So when I get instructions and directions, I want to know where to go. I want right stuff because I don't like to get lost. Uh, A few years ago, there's a story that was on the news about this man that was traveling to Oakland, California. And he, and he, this is a true story, y'all. He, he runs, he's late, he gets to the airport, he's got his ticket, and he runs up to the gate and says, where is the gate to Oakland? And they say, you take gate 15A, you better hurry, the plane's getting ready to leave. And so this guy is just, I mean, he is motoring, trying to get there as fast as he can, he's dragging his luggage, he finally gets there, he's all sweaty, and he says, is this, is this gate 15A? Yes. Is going to Oakland? Yes. He gives him a ticket and he just takes off and gets on that plane. Sits down on the plane, he puts his stuff up, and he finally relaxes, thinking, I cannot believe I made it. And he kicks back, and he ends up dozing off. Now, he dozes off for a couple hours. When he wakes up, he looks at his watch, and he thinks, we ought to be getting close to California now. So he starts getting his, all the stuff together. And he gets all the stuff together, and he notices the lights are out everywhere still. He's like, what is going on? And so he kind of sits there, and he's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's longer than I thought. And an hour passes, and nothing different's happened. And so after an hour, he, he gets up and he talks to a flight attendant and said, Hey, I got, I got a question for you. Went, when are we going to get there? And she said, uh, Well, I mean, we still have hours to go. He said, You've got to be kidding me. He said, How far away can we be from California? And she says, California? Said, yeah, we're we going to Oakland. She said, No, we're going to Auckland, New Zealand. This guy ended up flying, uh, flying all the way several thousand miles away from his home because of a, a rather minor glitch. Now, I would say that that guy was probably a little irritated at the guy back at the counter that told him gate 15A. Now, I, I don't know about y'all, but I like it when I get good, precise directions. And one thing you can know is that whenever you look into Scripture, you are going to receive good, precise directions from the Bible that will lead you to the Creator. Let me just give you a few examples of the, of the accuracy of the Bible. 700 years before Jesus was born, it was prophesied where, where he would be born. Micah 5.2. What does it say? Well, it talks about the Messiah. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, the Bible is accurate. It gives perfect direction. And as the Magi followed the perfect direction, where did they end up? They ended up right in front of Jesus. Wise men will pay attention to the Scripture. Because Scripture points to Jesus. Jesus himself said this. He said in John 5, 39, You diligently study the Scriptures, but you think that by them you possess eternal life. He said, These are the Scriptures that testify about me. Now, clearly the Bible prophesies about Jesus. It gets even more detailed. Do you know the Bible talked about whose, Je- whose uh, mother Jesus would be? Is that right? Did I say that right? Whose mo- yeah, whose mother Jesus was going to be? That doesn't make sense. Anyway, it talks about who, who his mother's going to be. My gosh, I, I am a, uh, I would like to say I'm a Richland II product. Uh, so, uh, and Keith, that's a good thing. Uh, so anyway, uh, it, it prophesied who his, who his mom was going to be. Now, who is it going to be? Well, we're told in Isaiah, Isaiah, it tells us uh, about about the birth of Jesus. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And that interesting. Seven hundred years before Jesus was born. The Bible also talked about way before Jesus was born, how he would die. 
Bible said Jesus would be crucified on a cross. Back in Psalm 22, 16, hundreds of years before this ever happened, it says, Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Now, those are significant words because at this time, the Romans had not even invented the crucifixion yet. Bible also prophesied why Jesus was to die. It says that it says that in Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced through for our sins. Now, if you're a wise man, you're going to take scripture to heart because it's going to lead you to the Savior. It's going to give you directions to the one who can transform your life. The Bible also talks about a day when Jesus is going to come back. In John chapter 14, Jesus told his followers, I built a place for you in heaven. And there's going to be a day when I'll take my followers to be with me in heaven. The Apostle Paul said, we need to look forward to the day when Christ will return. We're told in Titus 2.13, we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the Magi, the wise men, they knew the Bible was accurate and they paid attention to it. And it led them to Jesus. Now, how can we be led to Jesus? How can we be wise men? How can we allow the Bible to guide our life to Christ? Well, Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you shall be saved. Guys, we need to pay attention to the scripture because if you do, it will change your life and it will lead you to the Messiah. Now, what are some characteristics of wise men? Well, they understand the stars. Secondly, they they follow scripture. The third characteristic is wise men will worship the sun, the S-O-N. Wise men will worship the sun. Now look with me in verse number nine. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. Now, what was the purpose of the Magi, the wise men, coming to Bethlehem? Did they just go there in order to take a look at at Jesus and then head back home because they saw the star? Now, the reason why they went there is very simple. They went there to worship the new king. They went there to worship the Messiah. Our text today mentions three things that the wise men did when they got there. First of all, it says they bowed down. They bowed down. They paid him homage. They worshipped him. And it says they brought him gifts. Now, if you're looking to worship, I mean, to really worship God, that's a good example for us, a good picture of what worship is. First of all, you bow down. They were bowing down before a two-year-old boy. Now, why would they do that? Because they recognized his significance. They bowed before him because they recognized this is one who will have authority. This is one who will have power. After they bowed down before him, we're told that they also worshipped him. That word worship in our text, it is the word for adoration. They adored Jesus. They adored him because they knew that he was more than just a child. They adored him because they knew that he was somebody who was worth recognizing. And the last thing they did is says they brought gifts. Now, let me ask you all this little Christmas trivia here. You all remember what gifts they brought them? They brought them three gifts. What are they? Yeah. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
You know, we, a lot of us learned this when we were just kids. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What in the world is gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Now, last year we kind of went into that a little bit. I'm going to kind of skip over uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, spices, mineral, very important. These men were from Saudi Arabia, Iran region. These were the most important and significant things from their country. They were trading commodities. They were the best things that their country had to offer. And they brought them to lay them at the feet of Jesus. They brought the best that they had to the one who was their creator, to the one who had come as Savior. And as I thought about that, I began to think that is a great picture of what worship should be for us. As we celebrate Christmas, don't, guys, let's make sure, let's don't get so caught up in the busyness of it all that we forget the importance of it. And so my question for you is, have, has there been that time when you bowed before Jesus? And you've adored him for who he is and what he's done for you. And that you have brought him the best that you have to offer and have laid it at his feet. To say, Jesus, here is my life. And that is the best you can give Jesus. Here is my life. And I lay it before you. God, it is yours. And I give it to you. Now you might say, well, that sounds really neat, but is it really going to make that much of a difference if I give myself to Jesus? Let me tell you something. Absolutely yes. One of Ripley believe, Ripley's Believe It or Not items pictures a, a plain bar of iron. And on that plain bar of iron, it says this bar of iron on its own is worth $5. If you take that same bar of iron, though, and you turn it into a bunch of, or if you turn it, first of all, into, into horseshoes, it can be worth about $50. Take that same bar of iron, and you turn it into needles, and you sell those needles, you, you, can, you can sell those things for about altogether about $5,000 from that $5 bar of iron. If you use that, that bar of iron and you put a, put those, uh, turn it into little springs for Swiss watches, those watches with that $5 bar of iron can, can sell up to five, $500,000. Now the point is it's, it's not the raw material that is so important. It's what happens to it when, when a craftsman takes it and molds it into what it should be. And it has great value. You know, as we celebrate Christmas and we, we talk about worshiping and adoring Jesus, as your life on its own is valuable, but it increases greatly in value whenever you lay yourself before Jesus and say, Jesus, I give my all to you. I give you my best. And you are allowing Jesus to take your life and mold you and shape you into the person that he wants you to be. And it is then that your life has more value than ever before. The Magi came to worship Jesus, to give themselves to him because they knew that he was the master craftsman of all of life. Now, what, 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 what makes up a wise man? What are the characteristics of wise men? Well, they, they understand the stars, they follow the scriptures, they worship the sun. And the last characteristic I want you to see of wise men is wise men will obey the spirit. They will obey the Spirit. Look in verse 12. It says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. King Herod was intent when he found out that the Messiah was going to be born. He was intent on killing Jesus. Now, just to give you all some history about King Herod, uh, King Herod is known as the greatest builder in the history of Israel. Uh, last Christmas, my family 
and I and, and Matthew, we were able to go over to Israel. While we were there, there are buildings that still stand today. There are walls that still stand today that were built by King Herod. I mean, absolutely amazing. There's an aqueduct that runs for, you know, like, like 75 miles that was built during King Herod's reign. Still standing there. It carried water until like the 1930s. I mean, crazy. Incredible builder. But the guy was absolutely nuts. He thought people were out to usurp his authority all the time. And so he killed everybody. Uh, he killed his wife. He killed, uh, he, let's see, he killed his son. He killed his bro- three brothers-in-law. He killed his mother-in-law. Uh, man, he was just, I mean, he was out to wipe out anybody who he thought was trying to usurp his authority. And so whenever he finds out that there is the king of the Jews is being born, how do you think that's going to, how do you think Herod's going to like that? Well, he hated it. And so Herod starts trying to get a group of guys together. Hey, we found out where he's going to be born. Let's get over there and kill this guy. Let's kill this baby. Now, the Holy Spirit warned the Magi about Herod and said, don't go back to him. And they paid attention to him and they circumvented Jerusalem and left. You know, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit warns us to keep us on the right track in life. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that the Holy Spirit warned Noah, telling Noah, God is going to judge this world because the wickedness of the people rises up before God. So what did Noah do with that information? Man, he went out and built a boat. He said, God's going to flood this place. We better get ready for it. He wanted to pay attention to what God had to say. Scripture gives us a warning about sin. And Scripture tells us all, you know, all throughout Scripture that sin separates us from God. It's displeasing to God. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. It is a warning that comes from God. And we have to pay attention to it. And the great news is as we pay attention to the Word of God. That verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible shares with us a dire warning. The Holy Spirit warns us that there is a judgment that will come from God. And if we choose to shut God out of our lives, there will be a day when we stand before God in judgment and God will separate us from His presence for an eternity in a place called hell. And so God gives us this warning. The question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to the warning that the Spirit gives us? Wise men... Obey the Spirit. It's if we are obedient to the leadership of the Spirit and we give ourselves to God, there's everything to gain. Now there's forgiveness. There's eternal life. There's hope for a future. We have everything to gain. 2,000 years ago, there were some wise men who came looking for Jesus. And I want you to know that 2,000 years later, God desires for there to be more and more wise men and women who will still seek Jesus. Now, what are the characteristics of wise men? First of all, they're going to understand the stars. Guys, we ought to look at creation and know there is a God. The second thing, the second characteristic of the wise men is they follow Scripture. They pay attention to it. They worship the Son. And then the final thing is they obey the Spirit. Here's my question. Are you a wise man? Are you seeking Jesus with your life? Are you seeking yourself? Because if you desire to be a wise man, I want you to know, it can happen today. How do we do it? Just like Romans 10, 9 says, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Have you ever confessed with your mouth? I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe that He died for us and that He rose from the grave. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe in the supernatural event of the resurrection? The Bible says if you believe those things, you turn from your sin, it says you shall be saved. You'll be rescued. You'll be a wise man that's found Jesus. If you've never done that before, I want to, I want to encourage you in just a few moments as we bow our heads and close our eyes. You can just very simply pray to Jesus. Say, Jesus, today, I, I ask you to forgive me and I want to follow you and I want you to be my God. Then you'll be a wise man. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I am, I am grateful for your word. I am thankful for this day that you've given us. And I pray, Jesus, that we will take to heart the story of the wise men. And Lord, may we be wise men and women of God. May we seek you out, Lord. And Jesus, you tell us in Scriptures, we seek you, we will find you. Thank you for the birth of your Son. Thank you for what he grew to be. And Lord, how he conquered death and came to life again that we might have it. And I pray if, there's any, if there are any here who have never prayed for, for Christ to be the leader of their life, Jesus, may they do that right now. And I pray then that they would take their bulletin and open it up and fill out the section on the right side and place that in the offering basket. So, so God, that we can get them some information in the mail to help them grow in their newfound relationship with Jesus. And I pray these things in Christ's name.